historians tell us that slavery has been a problem in human society probably forever. As long as we have known the history of civilizations, people have been holding others as slaves. Now, the two most common forms of slavery, you were either a slave because you were taken prisoner in war and you were kind of seen as being the, the spoils of war that, that could be sold off, or you were a slave because of debt, because you could not pay back the money you owed you were put into slavery until you had paid back the debt. Now, this is, I think, the most interesting form of slavery when we look at the scriptures, because as we know the story of the Israelites who were held as slaves in Egypt, the story doesn't explain what sort of slaves they were. Now, they definitely weren't slaves because they were captured in war. Because we know from the story that Joseph and all of his family were, were quite freely there for hundreds of years. And so we're left with the situation that they were probably slaves because of debt. This was an economic reality that for whatever reasons, bad business or, you know, hard times economically, as a whole people, they've now found themselves enslaved. And so when God comes to deliver them, in the background of the story is a story about money, potentially. This is interesting as well when you get to the Gospels, because Jesus tells a lot of parables about money. And if we would see that Jesus is trying to liberate the people from slavery of sin, that he is now coming to do the new Passover, to pass them through the waters of baptism in the way that their ancestors passed through the waters of the Red Sea, into liberation, potentially in the background, again, is a story about money. You know, why does Jesus spend so much time telling parables about business and finance and how you use your money? Because we can find ourselves physically enslaved to debt, but we can also find ourselves spiritually enslaved to a worldview which demands us to keep working. And this was the key point in the story of Exodus, that the people could not worship because they had to keep working. Moses was calling for Pharaoh to let them go into the desert so that they could worship. Just give us three days break from work so that we can remember who God is and remember who we are. If you look at why people don't go to church these days, on the surface, people say it's because it's boring. But I think the deeper part of that is that we're caught in a whole world of endless work and busyness, where people are working on Sundays, where people are working six days a week, where they get to the weekend and they just haven't got the energy. They can't get into a space of knowing God and knowing themselves. So when we start to look at this call to discipleship, money is pretty much right there at the core of what Jesus is trying to do. If he's trying to set us free, then we need to look at where money is enslaving us. You know, as I've mentioned, that if people like Sigmund Freud are telling us that we need to let, let the desires run free, and the three main desires of sex, money, and power, the church has 
looked at this saying, we need to live a life of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And this area of poverty, I want to once again, I want to try and look at this in the positive side, but then also the negative side. You know, what is God calling us to? And what is he calling us to step away from? So let's start with the positive side of this. You know, if, if God is calling us to something, this really resonates deeply with the ministry of Jesus, that we are called to know the Father, we are called to trust the Father. And that is not just an intellectual thing, it's not just a doctrine that we that we profess, but it's something which we actually have to live. You know, like, there's no good saying that you trust someone if you're not prepared to jump into their arms when, you know, they, they call you to, to trust them. And particularly in terms of our provision, you know, our security, whether we're going to have enough, that's an enormous act of trust. Now, just to give an idea of a few of the passages, you know, in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, there's that beautiful passage where Jesus says, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? As he says, you know, look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father will feed you. This is what he's saying. Now, this, this is a really challenging passage. It sounds nice, and I think we can, we can keep it in that nice pious level where it's just spiritually consoling. But to actually live this out requires some significant changes to our life because we are caught in a society where we don't really have a choice. If you want to live close to other human beings, you have to live in a city and therefore you have to have a mortgage and therefore you're going to have to be working for the next 30 years and you're going to have to school your kids and get a car and suddenly you're on a treadmill. How does God provide in that? You know, the world we live in today is so radically different to a thousand years ago or even just a hundred years ago. We find ourselves in a place where it becomes seemingly impossible to trust. When you've got a million dollar mortgage and endless school fees to be paying for your kids. I think the real call here is that we have to come back to know the Father. As I said in a previous episode, you know, when we pray the Our Father prayer, that the, the core of discipleship is held in that prayer. You know, give us this day our daily bread. What we're saying is we, we come before God saying, I'm your child, you're my father. If you don't provide for me, it's your fault. <laughs> and I think that's, that's where the cry has to come out of. But at the same time, it needs to be backed up with the fact that we're actually going to sit in the gap. We're prepared to sit in that empty space where God has to provide. This, I think, is one of the hardest steps to take in discipleship. Because at some point we need to trust that God is going to show up. You know, if we take a leap of faith trusting that God will provide, there will very often be this, this moment of silence where you're waiting 
And I think once again, this is where we need to go back to the scriptures to allow God to challenge something of the worldview or the culture that we're in. Because we live in a culture which has trained us to expect everything on demand. We want more than enough so that we don't feel any anxiety. We, we need to have a bank account which has got enough for a rainy day. But when you look at the, the journey of the Exodus, once again, if this was in a context where the people were in, in slavery because of debt, the journey through the desert becomes their discipleship. This is where God is training them to trust him. And so we see so many times they cry out to God saying, why have you led us into the wilderness to die? You know, why is there not water? Why is there not bread? Why is there not meat to eat? And every time God gives them what they need, but he only gives them what they need. He doesn't give them what they want. And, and there is the, the key part of the equation. You know, with the manna that comes in the desert, it basically says that no matter how much they gathered, there was only just enough to eat. You know, if they gathered more than they needed, it would rot and disappear by the next day. And the next day, once again, they would have to trust in God. There is something very much there about how God is training us and forming us as disciples that this is not just a once-off thing, saying, God, I need a million dollars and then I'll be right, I'll come back to you in 20 years' time. It's not the way it works. It's give us this day our daily bread. Give me today what I need. And tomorrow, I'm going to be right back where I started, having to trust you. That's a really uncomfortable place to live. It's not the way we would like to live. I think this is where we would much rather do deals with God and say, look, I will serve you on Sunday. I will proudly evangelize and tell people about you. But the rest of the time, I'll do it myself. And the question is whether we ever truly come to know the heart of the Father. Whether we ever really come to know what life is meant to be. The reason why God only ever gave people what they needed was because he wanted them to keep moving. They weren't meant to live happily ever after in the desert. The desert was not the promised land. He kind of wanted them to stay just uncomfortable enough to keep moving. And maybe this is where Jesus was calling us to. When he says, don't worry about what you have to eat or drink, God will provide. It's almost like he's saying, you know, this is not the world you live for. Don't build your tent here in this world. Don't start trying to build your mansion and, and have the amazing garden and, you know, all the products and accessories you need because you're meant to keep moving. And particularly if we are trying to live a life where we are listening always attentive to the call of God, we need to be ready to pack up our tent and move. You know, wherever God calls us. If we start finding ourselves being weighed down by the baggage, that means that we then stop listening because we don't want to listen. You know, if I've just invested 30 years of my life to try and pay off a mortgage, I don't want to be listening to the call of God calling me to go elsewhere. 
all of this has a ripple effect. You know, all of these things become interconnected. Can I start to come to a place where I hold lightly to the things of this earth? I start to go through the world with, with my hands open rather than a tight grip around my possessions. I'm prepared to let things go, trusting that they were a gift. They were never mine to begin with. And if God wants to take them from me, then let that be to his glory. There is so much work that God needs to do in our hearts for us to come to a place of real detachment. So I think this is, this is the positive side of the call, that God is calling us to trust, to know the Father. We then just need to take a, another step deeper to see where does this have a hold on our hearts? And, and potentially, what do we need to do to set ourselves free?